The message about birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension and return of Christ is to be shared as good news or good tidings to everyone. We bring joy and delight to those being saved when we bring the gospel to people. All right. This morning I'm just going to spend a very short time not a, a lengthy Christmas message. Uh, or not it's not necessarily a christmas message but a a message that's in 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 sync with what's happening this season you know when we think about how everything happens the bible tells us something very interesting in the fourth chapter of hebrews that god actually began uh, finished everything before he began his works were completed even before he started Hebrews 4 chapter 4 tells us meaning that back before there was time before God actually created the world and he put everything together in the mind of God everything was already completed that's why the bible says you know Jesus was the lamb of god slain from the found, from before the foundation of the world so you know even before god laid the foundations everything was already done it is all completed in the mind of god our names were written in the book of life even before the foundation of the worlds that means god saw you and me even before he created anything he said i'm going to write these people's names down i know how they're going to respond i know i know what choice they're going to make our names were written and we can also imagine that before god created the worlds he already decided that at some point in time as we know it god god the son would incarnate become man and come into this world that was already determined even before he created the worlds so already determined in the mind of god and just think about it that god already foreknew all of this and what a I'll use the word humiliating thing it must have been for the eternal god the infinite god to say one day I've got to be contained in a frail human body and I've got to live in a world that's so far different from what he's normally used to in his eternal existence in heaven that he he had to do that he knew that was coming up and yet he went ahead and created everything are you with me so far because in the mind of god he finished everything even before he began he knew all this was going to happen and he still went ahead with creation he still went ahead with uh, you know bringing this world into existence and people and so we now step into time we come to the place the moment in time when jesus is born in bethlehem which for us today was about 2000 years ago and at the time of the birth of jesus what did the angels announce and these are verses familiar to us in luke 1 and verse 19 the bible says the angel answered and said to him i am gabriel who stands in the presence of god and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings meaning this announcement of the birth of jesus is glad hiding is good news i'm here to bring good news look chapter 2 verse 10 the angel said to these shepherds 
Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings or good news of great joy, which will be to all people. So the birth of Jesus, God stepping into our worlds, was intended to be good news of great joy to all people, to everybody. And that's what I just want to dwell on here this morning for a few moments with us, that This message we have about the birth of Jesus, his earthly life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven and his coming again. This whole message about Jesus is intended to be good news of great joy to all people. I mean, this message is good news. It's to bring great joy and it's meant for everybody. So I want to talk about a little bit the importance here and just remind us of the fact that we are here to really share Jesus with other people. To let this good news of great joy actually reach all people. And we're here to be a part of that, to see this news reach people everywhere. I want to spend a few moments as part of the message here this morning To dwell on the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10. We are going to read verses 1 to 3 and then verses 13 and 15. But I want to give a little background to Paul's writing to the book of of Romans. And why he wrote it and in what context he wrote these words. Paul wrote this epistle to the believers who were at Rome. Now Rome at that time was the capital, the center point of the Roman Empire, the, the dominant empire on the, in the world at that time. And uh, Rome was the capital. Now, Rome was predominantly uh, occupied, inhabited by the Greeks. About, this was about, uh, uh, the population of Rome was estimated to be about a million people. There were only about 50,000 Jews there. And the rest of them were you know, what we call Gentiles, non-Jewish people at that time in Rome. And it is not very certain how the gospel went and reached Rome. It is possible that there were some Jews from Rome who came to Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. Their lives must have been changed and they could have carried the gospel back to Rome. That's one way the gospel would have reached there. Or it may have been that other Jewish people, others who had received the gospel, traveled into Rome because there was a lot of movement in and out of Rome. They've gone there and a church eventually was established in Rome. But the apostle Paul himself had not traveled to Rome or none of the other apostles had actually been to Rome as yet to establish a church. The gospel had reached there uh, through other people who carried uh, the message of Jesus Christ. But what happened around AD 49, the Roman emperor Claudius uh, 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 issued a decree to that all Jews must leave Rome. They had to get out of Rome because of, of all the, 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 the chaos or the, the, the trouble that was happening because of Jewish believers, uh, people who were believing in Jesus and other Jews who were opposed to the message of Christ. And a lot of confusion. So he had, to, he had too much to handle. So he said, you Jews just get out of Rome. All of you leave. And at that time, Aquila and Priscilla left Rome and they moved to Corinth. And if you remember the story of Paul's second missionary journey, he comes into Corinth and he meets this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. 
And so they tell him, hey, something's going on in Rome. There's a church in Rome. There are believers in Rome and uh, all of that. And, and so Paul, hearing this news about the church in Rome, is really, you know, his heart is stirred up for the people, the believers there. And so sometime later, uh, about AD 51, uh, Aquila Priscilla returned to Rome. Two or three years later, they returned to Rome. Once things have subsided, the trouble has subsided, they're able to go back. So they've served about three years in Corinth. The church has been established. They've worked with Paul. They've gone back to Rome. And about AD 51, uh, uh, much later, uh, sorry, AD 56, uh, several years later, when Paul is going through, uh, doing his third missionary journey, he's going through Corinth. From Corinth, he's writing a letter to the believers at Rome. You're with me so far? Not lost? And he's writing to the believers in Rome. Now, unlike all the other epistles that Paul wrote, he is not addressing any problem in the church in Rome. In the other epistles, you know, usually he's addressing issues. He's addressing problems in the church. You know, the Corinthian church or the Galatia or Ephesians. He's dealing with certain things. But for the people in Rome, he hasn't visited them. He's only heard about the beautiful work that's happening. So his work, his, his letter to them there is purely one to strengthen them, not necessarily address any problems there. So uh, it's, it's more of a, ver- a message of encouragement, establishing them in their faith. And, and that's his letter uh, to Rome. But then as he writes to Rome, there's something that really comes out uh, in this episode. Paul unveils his heart to be a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what is actually happening in his life, he's on his third missionary journey in Corinth, and he's writing to Rome saying, believers, I want to come and minister to you. I want to come and serve you. I want to serve the people in Rome. I I am a debtor both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. I want to come and I want to preach the gospel there in Rome. But I also want to go beyond Rome. I want to go west all the way into Spain. And I want to take the gospel into Spain where the gospel has not yet gone. So that is, is the heartbeat of the apostle as he's writing this letter to the, uh, the believers in Rome. But he's trying to say, you know, I, I, I really want to take this gospel. I want to come to you in Rome. I want to preach in Rome, but I want to go beyond Rome. I want to go west. I want to go into Spain. And you can feel that in his heart, that the burning desire to take the gospel into regions where the gospel has not yet been, that comes out in this episode. To the point where he says, I want to go and preach the gospel. I don't want to build on any man's, other man's foundation. I want to go where the gospel has not been preached yet. He talks about that in Romans the 15th chapter. So, keeping that background in mind, when you pick up in Romans chapter 10, and uh, um, uh, get to understand, feel the heart of the apostle. In Romans 10, verses 1, 2, and 3, he says, Brethren, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, think about this. Paul the Apostle has been called by God to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That means God said, Paul, 
the focus of your ministry is going to be the non-Jewish world. That's your call to that. Although he was a Jew, your call to that. And yet his heart is, is crying out. He says, brethren, my desire, my passion, and my prayer to God is for the Jewish people. I want them to be saved. Because I see that these people, are, they are very religious. But they don't know the truth. They are very religious people. But they don't know the truth. I bear them record that they are very religious. They have they, they, they zeal for God, but they don't have the knowledge of the truth. And he says they are ignorant of how to receive the righteousness of God. They are ignorant of that. But here's the question I want to ask you and me. Do you as a believer, do I as a believer, do, I have a, do we have a passion to see people saved? And are we praying for that? That's verse 1, right? He says, My heart's desire and prayer to God in his case, it was the Jewish people. My heart's desire and prayer is that these people be. Question to you and me. Do we have a desire? And are we praying for people to be? I'm going to say something that might upset you. I'll say it anyway. If you don't have a desire, and if you're not praying for people to be saved, you're in a bad state as a Christian. It's bad. If for you being a Christian, a believer in Jesus is only about, you know, I need to go to a nice church, I need to hear a nice sermon, and I need to feel good about myself, I think that's bad. I think every Christian, and I'm trying to put it as nicely as I can, I think every Christian should have this burning desire in their heart. And a prayer that's rising up inside them all the time. That God, I want to see people. I think that's the normal thing about a Christian, about a believer. He's got to have a passion. Oh God, I desire for people to be saved. I'm praying God for people to be You know, if you don't have that fire inside you, something is seriously wrong. You don't like me? I've just told you. <laughs> Something seriously wrong. If that's not inside of us, that's got to be the burning zeal inside of us. So when you're out in the streets uh, or in the mall or driving through the city and the traffic, and I know you can complain about many things and all of that, but yet somehow inside you, as you look at all the people, say, God, all these people need to be saved. And God, I pray for these people. I may not myself be the person who will take the gospel to them, but God send somebody somehow. Lord, I want these people to know you. I think that's normal for every Christian. It's abnormal if you don't have that happening inside you. Something's wrong. Pastor, that's <laughs> it's serious. We've got to have that inside of us. Lord, I want to see people say, my heart's desire, that's my passion. 
and my prayer there's something inside me that's crying out to god god i want to see people saved now i pray that this morning somehow that will be imparted to each one of us that we will begin to have that fire inside of us that when you you know when you're walking around this wherever you go and you're seeing people around you that you will say god i need to see people I I want these people to be saved. I want them to know Jesus. And they're good people. I mean, they have a a, a desire for God, just that they don't know the truth. They're zealous for God, but they're doing all kinds of wrong things. They don't know the truth. So somebody has to bring that message to them. And we need to pray for ourselves. If this is not burning in our hearts, then something is seriously wrong with our faith and we need to pray and say god give me this fire this passion inside me that i will have a desire to see souls saved and i have that prayer rising up in my heart and you know this is the heart of god himself because the bible tells us in in 1st timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 it's not on the screen 1st timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 it says This is the will of God. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior. I mean this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So this is something that is really good and something that's really pleasing in the eyes of God. What? He wants every person to be saved. and come to the knowledge of the truth he wants it he is desirous this is good is exciting so when you and i are are passionate about winning souls and you and i are thinking about different ways how can we reach people we are actually in sync with the heartbeat of god amen we're really in sync with god when we have a passion to win souls for jesus christ because that's what god's heart is all about He wants people to come to know the truth. So we now continue reading in Romans 10 and we're going to jump to verses 13 to 15 that same chapter and that's what I want to focus on this morning. Romans 10:13 to 15. Paul says, verse 13 is his wonderful promise, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow, this is wonderful promise. Anybody can call on the name of the Lord and be saved can experience salvation whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved but then here is the challenge verse 14 how can they call on him in whom they have not believed how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without a preacher and how can they preach unless they are sent So here's the challenge. How can you expect people to call on somebody whom they don't believe in? But how can they believe if they have not even heard? And how can they hear if nobody goes and tells them? Here's the challenge. We say God, we want people to be saved. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's good. That's a great place to start. But here's the challenge. People are not going to call on somebody 
whom they don't believe in as yet. And they can't believe unless they hear. And they can't hear unless somebody goes. So you and I have to be engaged in both going and sending. There are some people that you and I can go to. But you and I can't go to everybody. So what do we do? We send others who can go into them. Because we need everybody to hear. Give an opportunity for them to hear. If they hear, then they have the option to believe. And if they believe, they can call on the name of the Lord and be So you and I need to be doing both these things. Go to whomever we can. Send others to whomever they can. Back them up. Empower them. Support them. Encourage them. Let them go. We've got to do both. Amen? So think about even this Christmas time. We're going. We go into the malls. We go into, uh, not, not the malls right now, but in, into the tech parks. We go to various places. We go wherever we have access to. We send others. We send our books and all of these other things. We, we, we tell people, you go. Throughout the course of this year, throughout the course of the year, the Catalyst team goes into schools. Can you imagine? 6,000 students are being ministered to every week. Every week. The Catalyst team is speaking to 6,000 Students, if you have a large public meeting, you you may not even get 6,000 people. You spend lakhs and lakhs on having a three-day meeting. But this, you go spend 6,000, you're hardly spending too much money, but you're getting to speak to 6,000 students. We're doing 73 classes, meaning 73 hours every week in front of students. Teaching what? Scripture, the Bible. What are we doing? Sending. They need to hear. If they hear, they have the option to believe. If they believe, they can call on Jesus and be saved. And the best time of life to win somebody to Christ. I'm not saying people can't get saved at other times of life. But the best time is when they are still in their teenage years. That's the best time. Amen. So, Catalyst, and Catalyst is open. Anybody who wants to come and, you know, be a part of it and go there and serve and stand in front of these students and share the gospel, speak, do that. And we have a similar thing for colleges. Our campus elevates at going. Uh, we don't do that at the same frequency, but uh, every month we're scheduled uh, in different college campuses. And, and usually we have 600 students at a time. And we stand before them and we can bring truth to them. What an opportunity. So throughout the year, it's happening. Amen? So we've got to engage our city in as many ways as we can. And, and either we go ourselves or send other people who can take this news. But in that same verse, in verse 15, Paul also says something else. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Everybody say beautiful feet. God says, how beautiful are the feet. I could have titled this message, beautiful feet. But then it might just give the wrong impression to some people. So, <laughs> give it, you know, just give it a simple name, sharing Jesus and <laughs> talk about it. 
But this is what I want to highlight. The Bible says, and Paul is quoting from the Old Testament scripture of Isaiah uh, 52 verse 7. He's actually quoting from there. He says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God. So the prophet Isaiah, Paul is quoting Isaiah, Isaiah 52 verse 7. Isaiah is prophesying, he's speaking something by the word of the Lord. He's speaking what God is saying. And God Almighty is saying on the mountains, how beautiful are the feet of the man who brings this good news to God's people. Now, what was the context? The context was that the people at that time were going to be held captives. They're going to be uh, taken away into Babylonian captivity. They're going to be, their city is going to be destroyed. And they're going to go through seven years of cap, 70 years of captivity. And all that is going to happen. But at the end of it, there's going to be this good news announced. That you're going to come back to your land. And God is going to establish you. There's going to be salvation. You're going to see God work. And, and the messenger is going to come. And so the picture here is of a person, a messenger, a herald, uh, running across the mountains and bringing this news and announcing to the people, your God is still, a, a God is reigning. Your God is your God of salvation. God is going to restore you. He's going to bring all these things back for you. He's going to bring this good news. So he's saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring this good news. And Paul is now putting it in the context of bringing the gospel to people. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What does it mean? What does it mean? Beautiful. To whom? Of course, it's beautiful to the one who is receiving that good news. So for the people who are in darkness... For the people who are hopeless, who are dying, or who are, or who are crushed, who are, or who are waiting to see how their lives can be changed, or hoping that somehow you know, they will be brought out of their troubles and all of that. When somebody comes in with this news, to them it is so beautiful. It's pleasant. It's delightful. But it's also beautiful in the eyes of God. How beautiful are the feet. Can you imagine? Because this was a prophetic word spoken through Isaiah by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was saying what God was thinking. Can you imagine God Almighty looking at you and saying, Wow, I'm so delighted. It's, it's so beautiful in my eyes when I see you moving, running through, taking this message. To the people who really need it. In today's world, how we carry the message may differ. We're not going to be, you know, like the messengers of the old days, the heralds of old days running and carrying a message. That may not be the way we are doing it today. We may do it differently. We may do it through various methods and various other means and using various tools But I believe when God sees you and me doing what we can to take the message of the gospel, he's saying, that's beautiful in my eyes. He delights in it. 
He's saying, wow, that's, that's wonderful. Each of us may do it in different ways. Some of us may work with children. Some of us may work with young people. Some of us may work with kids in the slums. And I was talking to our Canada church pastors and saying, every, every month they have 164 house meetings. Every month. That means they visit that many homes sharing the gospel and conducting prayer meetings. 164 homes every month. Now, they're working you know, in, a, in, a, in a different segment of society. But God's looking at that and saying, that's beautiful. They are taking the message to people that I can't, I can't speak Kannada for, for anything. <laughs> but they're able to do it. They're able to go into those homes and speak the gospel in Canada and, and, and minister to those people. God's saying, that's beautiful. So each one of us may be doing it in different ways. Taking it to different groups of people. But here's the point. God says, that's beautiful in my eyes. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news to those who need it. So I want to challenge you and me to think about ways in which we can take this good news to people and places in our own nation that the gospel has not yet reached or where people need to hear. Some of them could be right in your own office. They may not even have heard the message of the gospel. Yeah, they know about Christmas and they know about Santa Claus, but they don't know about Jesus Christ. They don't know about why he really came, why he died, why he rose. They don't know. Somebody needs to tell them. And when you do, God says, that's beautiful in my eyes. I want to challenge you and me with the words of the Apostle Paul, and this is not on the screen. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 9, when he talks about how he brings the gospel to people. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 16, he says, If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he says, I'm cursed if I don't preach the gospel. I mean, like, that's how serious it was for him. And I, I'm a cursed person. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Listen, if we just entertain people, we're missing the mark. If we're here to just make people happy, we're missing the whole point. We are here to preach the gospel. They're here to tell people about Jesus Christ, why he came, and their need for a savior. And then Paul makes the state, states this in verses 19 to 23. I'll read this for us. For though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are outside the law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake. What is Paul saying? He's saying, you know, I step into people's worlds. I become like them. To the Jews, I become like the Jew. To those who are without the law, they have no law. They live, you know, without any law. I, I go into their world, I become like them, except that I keep myself still under the law of Christ. 
I don't violate the law of God, but I go into their world, I become like them. He says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some of them. I become all things to all people. I get into their world. I relate to them. I become like them, except that I make sure I don't violate the law of God. And I do this because I want to save people. I do it for the gospel's sake. We need to be people like that. And we need to be able to reach people, the influential uh, people who are decision makers up in the higher levels of society, but we also need to be able to go into the, the slums, the villages, and in some of the parts of our city that are really bad. We need to go in there, become all things to all people, because we need to reach everybody. Step into their world. I want to ask you and me this, this question. I want to challenge us, you know, what are we doing? What can we do to reach our world for Jesus? And I say our world, your world could be very different from mine. The people that you interact with, the people that you engage with, the people that you have access to, what can you do to reach them for Jesus? How can you connect with them? How can you step into their world? How can you bring the gospel to them? Or how can you send other people to go reach people that you cannot reach? We need to do that. We need to share Jesus. Amen? And God looks at you and me and says, that's beautiful, beautiful feet. He's delighted when we do that. Let's rise to our feet, please. I want to remind us of that verse that Paul wrote. He said, brethren, my desire and prayer to God is that Israel may be saved. He had a desire and he had a prayer for people to be saved. Could you pray for yourself right now this morning and say, God... Put in my heart a desire and let prayer arise in my heart for souls to be saved. Father, this morning, we just pray, oh God, that you will light a fire in each of our hearts. Ignite our passion, Father God, to see people saved. To bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To do everything we can, we, that we possibly can, to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. We pray that you will look upon each of us and say, that person's got beautiful feet. Look on each one of us, God. And you say, how beautiful are those feet. That person, that child of mine, that son, that daughter of mine, was taking this good news into that sphere of society, into that part of their world, into that part of our nation. How beautiful are those feet. They're carrying good news. They're bearing good news. Would you just pray a simple prayer saying, God, I want to have those beautiful feet. I want to be one of those people that you say how beautiful are his feet. How beautiful are her feet. That person, that son, that daughter of mine carrying good news. 
Lord, ignite in our hearts, in our minds, a passion, Lord, to share Jesus. Give us ideas, simple ideas. Give us strategies. Give us ways and methods and means, Lord, to bring the gospel to people. Lord, light a fire in our hearts. Break down, Lord, all our reservations, our inhibitions that hold us back from sharing Jesus. Help us to see eternity. Like the Apostle Paul, help us to be willing to say, I want to take the gospel to regions beyond. I want to go where the gospel's not gone yet. I want to reach people who've not yet been touched by the gospel. Ignite that in our hearts, we pray. Stir it up in our hearts, we pray. Father, we just thank you. For what you're doing here, God, in our lives, even now. Let this become a passion. Let this become our prayer. To see souls saved and brought into your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's close together, please. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to his power that's at work in us and through us. To him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ. Always. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.